My dad was very reactive, so I have some very vivid memories. Um, He came into our bedroom and was upset that it was messy and we had a dresser and it had all this stuff on it, including like porcelain, like jewelry holders. And I remember him just taking his arm and just whipping all of it off the dresser. He did that again in a playroom in the basement where we had stuff that, you know, we hadn't put away. He ripped this Barbie house thing off the wall and like threw it. So it was like, you never knew what to get. And so if you didn't have everything just so, that was what could happen to you. And so, I mean, I literally still do that to this day. Like everything's perfect. Everything's, you know, I have to literally force myself to just leave it, leave the dirty dishes. Like it'll be okay. But I'm literally having to like consciously make myself do that. I'm Vienna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so that you can liberate the way you live and love. I hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. Before I met with America, I knew that she went through a breakup and that she also had a complicated relationship with her father, who is now deceased. There's a lot she wishes she could have said to him before his death. But maybe just as important is that there's something really specific she wishes she could have heard from him. She grew up in an environment where talking about your feelings wasn't safe and that avoidance has come with her into her adult life. Instead, America uses her analytical brain to try to make sense of her emotions. She hasn't spent a lot of time feeling. In fact, she's not comfortable with it at all. But just because she's not comfortable feeling doesn't mean her emotions aren't trying to be felt. She craves to know that she can be imperfect and still be loved. But this breakup is confirming all of the original narratives she's held about perfection and herself. We start this conversation talking about the breakup, what's familiar about it, and what keeps her from being able to see herself differently. So he had been going through this like panic and anxiety. And actually we had, I had ended the relationship at one point and it was all out of fear. Like I know it was. And there was an element of holding on to feelings for somebody else that I knew would never show up for me. And I think again, that was a defense mechanism. So I sat with all that and I went back to him and explained and apologized. And at that point he was open to getting back in the relationship, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that he really was like he was going through the motions. And yet at the same time, this is when the the panic started to build. Now he had shared previously that when we first started dating, he had had anxiety and he said he had never experienced it previously. And I think that was because there was a lot of unknown. Like I was finally taking things slowly. I wasn't getting infatuated. I wasn't, you know, I was letting things develop at a pace that I thought was appropriate And so he said it was like, it was always great when we were together. It was always when we weren't together that he had the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yet he never shared that. 
And so later, and shame on me for not digging deeper to understand, okay, well, what wasn't he getting from me that I could have provided? And I think that's why it's hard because I feel like, okay, this is all stuff you can work through with a willingness. So when the panic was building and stuff, he came over and he was like, I finally figured out what was triggering him. And I think I knew I had pieced together because I had slowly started to finally click that he was pulling away, pulling away, pulling away. And I said, it's me, isn't it? And he said, yes. And then he said, I wish I could say I'm sorry, but I'm not. And that he felt like something was off from the start. And, you know, honestly, that's all that I can remember because I was so like in shock and stunned and upset, basically like, hey, you don't want to try to work through this. And obviously that was like a big no. And it was almost like he turned into this different person. And um, it was really hard. I know I wasn't perfect and I, you know, I tried to communicate, I tried to articulate different things and yeah. Yeah. Well, when I said before that, you know, the way that you internalized it was what was familiar, I could see that that, you know, resonated landed for you. And so, yeah, I'm wondering if what it was about the way that you internalized that feedback that did feel so familiar, like that you're the problem right? That you're the one who can't get the other person to change, you know, like what, what's in there for you? Cause you've already linked it a little bit to the relationship with your, your dad. So yeah, share a little bit around what feels familiar there. I think it's maybe more just feeling like my actions are responsible for the response. Well, in what way was that true growing up with your dad? So My dad was very reactive, so I have some very vivid memories. A couple instances where we were kids, like we had messy spaces. He liked order. And I remember two distinct times where um, one, he came into our bedroom and was upset that it was messy. And we had a dresser and it had all this stuff on it, including like porcelain, like jewelry, holders. And I remember him just taking his arm and just whipping all of it off the dresser and us just being scared to death. Right. And just, he did that again in a playroom in the basement where we had stuff that, you know, we hadn't put away. He ripped this Barbie house thing off the wall and like threw it. We wouldn't put our backpacks away when we got home from school. He'd chuck them down the basement stairs. So it was like, you never knew what to get. And so if you didn't have everything just so that was what could happen to you. And so, I mean, I literally still do that to this day. Like everything's perfect. Everything's, you know, I have to literally force myself to not, to just leave it, leave the dirty dishes. Like it'll be okay. But I'm literally having to like consciously make myself do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like just leaving it was at least back then an invitation for a lack of safety. It's like this invitation for, yeah, like at times what probably felt incredibly threatening and scary and maybe even dangerous at times. Does that feel right? Yes, absolutely. Yep. I mean, there was a lot of fear there. I mean, I I feared my dad. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he was hot and cold. Some days he'd be great and others not. And you just never knew what you were going to get. And so you're always kind of hyper aware. Yeah, which version of him will be here today? Yeah. When you said my actions are responsible for the other person's reaction, 
right? It's like, okay, so if I am quote unquote perfect, right, then I can generally control the external world around me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I'm not perfect, right, that's when I lose safety, lose trust, lose, you know, you had mentioned worthiness, uh, safety, and then I know you threw trust in there saying it's sort of interconnected, right? And so it sounds like, right, if I'm not quote unquote perfect, right? And, and I guess with your dad, perfect meaning if I'm not operating in the way that he needs me to, right, then here's what the consequence is going to be. Right. And if I do, then I'm going to get, would you say you did get stability from him when you did operate in the way that he wanted you to? Or would there also be times where even if things were clean, he could be super reactive, clean, tidy, orderly? I think for the most part, yeah. But I think there are times where he would just be in a bad mood or whatever. It could still happen even when you did have everything together. Yeah. So if you were to put the way that you internalize that into one sentence about yourself, like what is a truth you've been existing with internally? I think if I had to distill it down to one sentence, it would be if I wasn't perfect, I wouldn't be loved or treated appropriately. Yeah. How does that come along with you? You know, how does that, when you think about, okay, I know we're in a, in a breakup right now, but when you think about that sentence and how it has dictated, you know, a lot of your, your life and the way that you show up in relationships, what do we know about that? You know, I think I look at the situation and find every single thing that I could have done differently. I could have done better and think that I could have prevented the outcome had I done all those things correctly. When in reality, I know, like a lot of this, I know not to be true. It's just, I don't, I can't get myself to believe it. What do you mean by believe it? You're telling me, you know, up here, right? That it's true. I, I know that, like, obviously I did something that triggered him, but I know that's not me. Like, I know there's something from his past and I know some things about that I can speculate, but it's like something in me doesn't believe it. And so I can't stop figuring out what I did wrong or what I did could have done differently. And like taking all the blame for something that isn't all mine. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I think you have a lot of thoughts on that. I know. Honestly, I don't know. I feel like it's stupid. I feel like I'm intelligent. Like I'm, I'm hearing this. I, if anybody else told me this, I'd believe it. Why can't I believe myself? Mm. Well, we can't solve something that is emotional in that way with reason and logic and intellect. Right. And I heard you say, I'm a smart person. You know, I'm an intelligent human. Right. It's like, you're like, I know, I, I know better than this. Right. I know that I, it is not all my fault. It can't all be my fault. That's not how relationships work. Right. You could, you could probably write quite a bit about that. But you still struggle to feel that. Right. You still struggle to like experience that in your being. Right. And I think, you know, you've pointed to, ah, you've had a, really full history of believing that if I'm perfect, right, then I can get love and connection and 
maybe peace, maybe most of the time, let's say, right? And if I am imperfect, right, then the loss of connection and love and attachment and relationship is what happens, right? And it's what you experienced, right? It's what you experienced for a really long time. And I don't know if you feel like that was true in past relationships as well. I imagine that framework, it was a framework that you were you know, operating from in former uh, romantic relationships. Do you feel like that's true in friendship as well? Maybe not so much in friendships, but I think I have a very small friend circle. And I don't even know that I'd say that's 100% true in relationship other than like this person was different in that like they treated me really well. Like I'm used to the more controlling like person who's kind of more selfish and me trying to kind of show my worth. Whereas in this scenario, the person was like doing just nice things for me because they wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know? Like I said, it was very uncomfortable. Like I just, because I'm just not used to that. It's kind of like, what are you expecting? What are you wanting? Like that people don't do it just because they want to, but they're trying to get something from you or, you know? And so I think that's been more my experience from previous relationships where like, it was more about them and what they wanted and and not really being there for me in the end when I really needed them. Yeah. When you think about younger you, little you, what age normally comes to mind if we just like think back to younger you? Probably seven, eight years old, I would probably guess, because like old enough to truly remember, but like not yeah. really old. Yeah. And when you think about her, I don't know if you've spent much time with her or not, but when you, yeah, is there a reason why not? No, just because I think part of this is just learning all this, right? And trying to figure out how to approach it. Yeah. So, okay. Even if we're thinking about her right now for the first time, you can keep your eyes open or closed, whatever, you know, feels best for you to visualize her. But like what stands out? And I, and I mean that in the context of what we're talking about here. You know, like this little human who's, okay, I got to put things in order and I got to put everything away and I want to make dad happy and da, 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 right? Like when you envision that tiny little human, right? Like what do you connect to right now? What do you see? What do you feel? I don't see the like order part. I think what's coming up for me is more memories of situations mm-hmm. of remembering asking my dad for permission to do something and being so fearful to ask the question. And and I don't know if I was afraid to get the answer that I didn't want, that I would literally hide behind the stairs so I couldn't actually see him when I asked the question. Or remembering when we were playing in the basement and he told us not to do what we were doing. We like had books set up that we were trying to stand on and we had them on like furniture. So like you could slip and fall, which is exactly what happened. And I really hurt myself. And I remember being in the bathroom for like what probably felt like 30 minutes trying to fix myself because if he found out, I was going to get in big trouble and he was going to get mad. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
let's move maybe a little bit away from, you know, the facts and the details. And as you were saying that, I was like, oh gosh, you were really scared, right? You were really scared. You couldn't rely on him as a parent, right? As someone to just be like tuned in. Yeah, of course, right? You can sit here and be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't like what he was worried about having happen is what happened. Okay, it was right. Fine, fine, fine. Right, But like, no, you were a little human who got injured and needed a parent, needed an adult to care for you, right? Like hold you, care for you, hug you, whatever it is, right? Something like that. And that wasn't available to you. And so as you're describing these instances that stand out to you, it can feel the, yeah, that scared little seven, eight, nine-year-old. You can just take a breath. Yeah. What's there? You want to put some words to it? Just what you notice even in your body, your shoulders, what, what kind of constricted and tightened up there? I'm not sure. Honestly, like this is part of it for me. Like I am so analytical, like off the charts. If you do Myers Briggs, like I, I don't even know how to. I don't know how to feel. Like I don't know. Like I'm a very emotional person when it comes to certain things, but yeah. like to trust intuition or feeling about something, like I have no idea how to do that. Just not at all. That makes sense. And and guess what? You get to, you are so allowed to keep your analytical mind. <laughs> I'm not going to take that from you. <laughs> you keep it. Um, and also, right, like, is there space and safety for me to feel? There wasn't. You had to use your analytical brain pretty early on to become masterful at navigating an environment that was, yeah, unstable and unsafe. And so your analytical mind, you know, makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure in some ways it has served you incredibly well, right? But we also want to make a little bit of space to learn how to feel. And guess what? You actually do know how to feel it. Uh, It just happened. We got to see it. But I think what I'd say is that you haven't experienced having a safe environment to feel. I thought I had that in my last relationship and to a certain extent I did until I didn't, right? (laughs) Yeah. And that's beautiful that you got to experience some of it, right? And also I think part of this conversation between us is how do you create a safe environment for yourself, right? How do you allow yourself to connect to the things from the past? We don't have to hang out there forever, Right? We don't have to stay there, but how do I connect to the things from the past that have been internalized and have set you know, a, a track for myself that I've stayed on for a long time? Right. And that's where I saw you, like, I could see your whole body shifted right the moment I, I had said about just being a scared seven, eight, nine-year-old girl. And it's like, oh, the tightness. Like, I don't want to, I don't know how to do this. I I haven't had space or room to feel before. I don't know how to do this. This is really uncomfortable. And I also just don't know that it's safe, right? Think about that second experience that you'd shared, right? It's like you fell, you hurt yourself. You you said you had to go to the doctor. Like, yeah, you were hurt, right? You were hurt. You were feeling things, but you didn't know that it was safe for you to go to your dad and say, Ah, my leg, my shoulder, my, you know, whatever it is that you hit, right? The, uh, whatever it is that was injured, right? There wasn't space and safety 
and trust in that space that it could be held. And so part of what I'm yeah, inquiring about is, okay, can I go there myself? Can I start to make some space for me to learn what it is like to feel? Again, we don't have to hang out there for a really long time. Probably your analytical mind will (laughs) do lots of tricks to make sure that we don't hang out there forever. But can we begin to move in that direction a bit? Share what's coming up for you right now. What are you noticing? How are you feeling? I'm feeling better. I just, what my brain is running is, how do I do that? How do I do that? (laughs) How do I feel that safety then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you make of the the how-to? Is it like trying to rush you, trying to get you to the answer quicker? What do you think the how-to serves? I mean, I think trying to get to feel safe, I guess, right? Or feel Mm. calmer, you know, think in terms of like the relationship, you know, I keep getting to this point of like, what needs to be said or what do I need to tell myself or feel or whatever to stop blaming, right? Like, and so I feel maybe this is similar in the sense of like, okay, what is it that I need to do to get to that point where I feel that safety or I feel like I'm out of this bad feeling, you know, like I don't want to feel this bad feeling anymore. I imagine that there was a compassion gentleness, softness that you probably needed when you were seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair statement because I think probably all seven, eight, nine-year-olds need compassion and a gentleness right, and a softness. And you didn't get much of that. Did you have another parent in the, the home? Yeah. So my mom kind of served that role, right? But I think because my dad was so dominant that it, I don't want to say it offset what she did, but a little bit, right? I think you tend to go to more of the bad. Those resonate with you more. They stick with you more than the the moments where she was there to kind of coddle us or, you know, try to comfort us after my dad Mm -hmm. got really upset about whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's one thing certainly to, to receive some of that from one person, but like you're saying, this stands out with him and, you know, at the core of it, at the end of the day, we crave so badly, right. To feel safe and loved and connected to with that person too. Right. And so that piece, you know, has a prominent storyline in, you know, in your life. When you think back on seven, eight, nine-year-old you, what is the compassion gentleness, grace, softness that you wish that your dad could have seen, accessed within himself, right? What do you wish it could have looked like or sounded like from him? You know, I think more of that recognition that we're kids, right? And looking more as an adult now, I can understand in some situations where he would be upset with the the state of our rooms and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I think it's more about the delivery of the message, right? And saying like, hey, this isn't acceptable. But yet that it didn't mean we were lesser of kids or that we didn't still have his love or, you know, that he wouldn't be mad at us for a period of time or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do something that I, I'm going to guess is going to be slightly uncomfortable for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. okay. But we, I have like a moderate buy-in from you at this point. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to try it. 
and let's see what comes up and what it is that you notice. Um, but we're going to give it a go. So I will ask you to close down your eyes if that's okay. okay. I'll close down my eyes too. And yeah, if you could pull seven, eight, nine-year-old you into focus. And so maybe there's a photo that you remember, but just if you can bring an image of yourself into the space here with us. And you just let me know when you, when you have her. Yep. I got it. Okay. Good. All right. And will you, can you just describe her to me? Like how is her hair and what is she wearing? And what do you notice about her? Um, She looks happy. So she's sitting on a couch with a dress Mm -hmm. on and curly hair with two barrettes, smiling, happy. Okay. All right. And I'm going to have you right now, current you, and just step into that room with her for a moment. You don't have to get super close, but if you just can vent her in and you're you're across from her so that she can see you, you don't have to do anything right now. And maybe just smile back at her and just let her know that, that she's safe there. Okay? okay. Does she see you? Yeah. Okay. You're just going to stay in that room and maybe just tell me a little bit of what you're feeling right now. What are you noticing in your body? I'm feeling... I think uncomfortable for her, mm-hmm. even though she looks happy, but it's almost like I know there's parts that aren't mm-hmm. and it makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. You're sad for her because? Because I know there's these things that she's endured and lacking that safety and, and trust. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that she's just putting a happy face on and masking it pretty well. Okay, good. You just keep her in focus and she's going to keep you in focus. And I would love for you, adult you, wise adult you, to speak directly to her. And I'd really like for you to acknowledge what you had said before, the like, she's a kid, you know, she's just a kid. And like, sure, order's nice and not having toys everywhere, you know, is nice. But also, you're a kid and you shouldn't have been treated that way. So I just want you from you to share with her an acknowledgement, the gentleness, the compassion, the grace, the softness, okay? So you can start this by saying, I want you to know And then just see what flows from there. I want you to know that you're a great kid that's deserving of love unconditionally. And that that you don't have to be perfect all the time. That you're a kid and you're allowed to be happy-go-lucky and not worry about how your actions and behavior affect others. Good. Okay. But she couldn't, right? So yes, in an ideal world, right, that would be true. But now fine tune it. Acknowledge what her reality is. Oh, so I would say um, that I'm really sorry that, that you have to 
behave in a way that is not not consistent with what a kid should have to experience. Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. What do you notice in her? What was that like for her to hear that? I think there's a bit of softening in that. Mm. Yeah. Does that mean that she feels seen, acknowledged? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say anything more to her? I just want to give her a hug. Okay. You want to see if she wants a hug? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure she does. All right. So whatever that looks like, go ahead. You can squeeze yourself if you like. (laughs) Your legs, whatever feels comfortable. And just notice that embrace. Good. All right. So we'll just slowly kind of come out of this space and just remember where you are. Just maybe you look down first and kind of flutter the eyes open and just take a beat. How was that? Good. What about it? I think there's an element of feeling better, although I think I'm also thinking like that's going to take more than a couple times <laughs> to truly feel it like anything, right? Right. You know, you some some aspects of so ingrained for so long, right, that you have to hear things more than once to truly mm-hmm. believe it and internalize it and I feel like that probably isn't different. That's right. You don't get to do this once and then (laughs) call it a day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You did a beautiful job in there and really like dropping into it. And I think she hasn't been visited by you much. No. And yeah, I think there's an invitation to spend some time with her and acknowledge her. You know, it's like that part that's just trying to find the way to the other side, right? You're like, oh, I'm so tired of this. I don't want to keep dealing with this. This is annoying. I don't really believe this, but then I do believe this about myself, right? It's like, yeah, you're not getting to the quote unquote other side, in my opinion, right? Because you're not, you haven't spent much time acknowledging, you know, what really needs to be acknowledged, right? What really needs to be felt, You can say the right words, you know what I mean, right? Like you can say, you know, no one needs to be perfect in order to get love, right? Like you can say that, you can write it down 5,000 times, you can put it on a sticky note on your mirror. But when the experience taught you something different, right? And we don't spend enough time witnessing it and feeling it and grieving it, right? Then it's really hard to change. Tell me some of the emotion that's surfacing right now. 
No, I mean, that's 100% true, you know, and I think I know that like, yeah, so desperately wanting to not feel like this, but then not knowing the way through, right, and how I need to do that. So this helps. And I think, you know, making the conscious decisions to not leave something in a perfect state intentionally Mm -hmm. (laughs) to try to break that and know that it's okay for it not to be perfect all the time. Yeah. You know, what I just led you through was you feeling and being able to stay connected to what you're feeling in a safe way. Yeah. Right. That's an experience, right? That's lived. It's not something that you can create, you know, in your mind. And I like, I want to highlight that, that you just, (laughs) congratulations, you just got to feel and be connected to what it is that you were feeling in an environment that felt safe. It was you with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you with her. And I think that's something that I would encourage you to do more of. And, you know, your cadence of that, you'll, you'll have to figure out what, feels okay and good for you there. But I would encourage you to try to spend more time with her and to try to acknowledge the the pain and the sadness and the fear that she lived with and just connect deeply with it instead of just trying to change life right now. Right, like that that part of the brain, right? It's like we have to just kind of set it down for a moment and not actually allow ourselves to to feel, right? Because otherwise we stay kind of tripped up in the Yeah, right. It's like it's it's the pattern. Right. That's why I said like we know this is something that feels so deeply familiar to you, right? Where you exist with a lot of self-blame and this idea that if you were different or perfect, right, you could have influenced a different outcome. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. When you think about what continues to feel unresolved for you, because I, I know that where we started was really the intersection of the ending of this relationship and also that your resolution, I think, around your dad. Um, he's no longer living, yeah? Correct. Yeah. How does that play into this for you? I think it makes it harder, to be honest. I mean, because mm-hmm. I feel like at this point I could have or would have had the courage to have a conversation. And I know, you know, I know he doesn't feel that way or didn't feel that way as an adult and understanding his parents that, you know, that's the environment that he grew up in. And, you know, he was very loving and, you know, I'm thankful that in the years leading up to his death that, you know, we had some opportunities to spend more quality time together and I saw a different side of him. That was really nice. And I'm so Mm. thankful to have that, but it's still hard to not truly be able to have the conversation and understand. And honestly, like none of my family talks about this stuff and it's really Mm. hard Um, because, you know, I see it show up in my sister's marriage and then my other one, her husband's so great and laid back that, you know, it doesn't really impact her, but it's hard because it's affected me and I know it affects them, but just, they just deal with it in a different way. It's almost like they, they work around it and just, it is what it is. And that's not working for me. Like I can't do it that way. And so 
it's kind of hard. And I've debated whether or not I'd want to have this conversation with them, like kind of talk through what their experience was and if it's similar for them. But we don't really talk about stuff. I mean, that was part of it. You just kept your mouth shut to keep the peace. So I've learned a lot. You know, I used to be like pulling teeth for me to say anything. So I am proud in relationship that now I'm speaking up more and I'm sharing. So that's pretty big growth for me. But yeah, I mean, there is part of me that like to talk about it. Mm. I don't know what their willingness would be though and how to even broach that subject. I, I know your dad's not here, but do you have an idea or a sense, and maybe you've thought about this before, like what you wish that you could have said to him? Yeah, probably. You feel okay sharing it with me? Yeah, I mean, I think just being honest about how his behaviors were really scary Mm -hmm. and that how that's carried through, you know, my life and that I wish it were different, you know, and and I'm sure that he'd apologize and, you know, never wanted for that to be the case. I'm, I'm sure of that. So I think it would be a good conversation and I think it would helpful. And, you know, there was a moment that I did spend with him where I did see him very emotional. In fact, we went backpacking together and we lost, his dog ran off and he was distraught. I'd never seen him like that ever. And that was like the first time in my life that I can remember him saying how proud he was of me. And obviously told me that he loved me, although he would say that he loved me, you know, but it was a very different experience. But it's hard to have one good experience against how many not so great. So it's again that like you need more than one to feel like you truly believe. Mm-hmm. I'm more at peace with it in that regard, but it, the remnants are still there and I'm still trying to work through them. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you think he holds an answer to? That with him no longer being here, does he hold something that you need? If I could have this conversation with him, what would happen is what? I feel like I want to say no, but I think there's part of me that really wants to hear him just say, like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do all these Mm -hmm. things. And I think there is an element of that, yeah, of that giving me the permission to let go of that. Yeah. That piece is interesting, yeah? Right, because there is a little bit of a a lock there, a little bit of a hook. Like, I want to hear that from him, and then that gives me permission to not have to exist in the world this way. Yeah, right. And when, you know, when he died, then that died too? Yeah. Right, and that's that's problematic for us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah. I really appreciate that honesty, right? Where like the part of you that's like, I want to say no, right? I want to say that <laughs> no, th- no, this person does not control this or, you know, that I'm I'm needing something from him and he's not here. And so then what do we do about it? But I'm going to be honest about the fact that there is a part of me that does seek for that, that feels like she needed to hear that from him. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do with that? 
I know you want to ask me, what do we do with that? But I'm, I'm going to... guessing <laughs> I need to have that conversation. Well, obviously with myself, right? But maybe it is a conversation with him mm-hmm. to a certain regard. And then obviously I, I need to give that permission to myself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably a good direction, right? Which is that, yeah, maybe there's a letter that you write to him or, you know, some, you know, expression of, of what you've shared here and and so much more that, that you hold to. But yeah, that you're able to share with him what it is that you've always wanted to share. I think the beautiful thing about what you were describing is that you actually do have a sense of how he would respond to you. Mm-hmm. You could hear that pretty clearly. And I know you shared that really beautiful moment before. I, I don't know how, how long before he passed you did that backpacking trip. But obviously there's, you know, a couple of moments in your life where you felt a yeah, a deep love and, you know, respect. And I see you doing a good job of seeing him as a little boy also as a part of a family system where he also had to work through some challenging moments too. And, you know, I always say like context is not an excuse, but it does help things make a little bit of sense and we can sort of hold the both and there. And so the reason why I'm saying all of this to you is that I think there is a formulation of a response there, right? That even though, yeah, his behavior when you were growing up was something that was really scary and hurtful and harmful at times, right? There's another experience of him too, where like I I could hear it in the way that you were describing, like, no, he, he does love me and he didn't actually need me to be perfect in order for him to love me. Does that feel right? Yeah, it does. How do you know where, where is that true? How can you tell that that is true from him? I think other, you know, behaviors and actions like, you know, he could be very loving. It's just, you know, and I think I have more understanding of that as an adult, right? You get upset, you had a bad day, other things are bugging you, and then it takes one little thing and it sets you off. And I'm sure that's what happened a lot of times. But there are also a number of times where he was very loving and pictures sitting on the couch next to him, kind of cuddling or, you know, different things like that. So, you know, he did show it at times and, and was, you know, a loving parent. Yeah. The second piece that you had said before was about giving yourself the permission, which I think, yeah, that's, that's who we've got, right. To, to do it. Right. And I want to ask you a question about what not giving yourself permission serves. At this point, nothing. (laughs) Nothing that I can think of. Well, maybe nothing good. Maybe nothing well, positive. Yeah. Keeps me stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And why would there be a part that either is interested in staying stuck or doesn't want to actually give the permission to live differently? Like what would have to change? I don't know. I mean, there have been parts of me that wonder like if I'm trying to keep myself stuck for some reason. And I don't know if that's just general fear. Like this is all that I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't know that I necessarily go down that exact path, but I think there is a certain, like, for example, 
not giving myself permission to do this then means that I don't have to create a safe environment for myself to feel, right? And like, I don't know how to do that. And so, okay, maybe again, not really a conscious decision, right? But ah, like, what does it serve? Well, okay, if I'm going to give myself permission to change this, then it also means that I have to allow myself to feel, and be connected to the emotion that's there and let myself grieve and let myself witness and acknowledge the pain that exists. This is an example of it, right? Because I want you to be thinking about, ooh, like what would keep me from this or what does not going down that path serve in my life? Right? Yeah, and I think that, okay, yeah. And it makes sense in terms of, I see it kind of analogous to, you know, having walls up in relationships with good people, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm like so afraid that that the ball's going to drop and it's going to go bad, you know, and if I open myself up, then I'm just going to get hurt. Or so I think there's an element of maybe it being similar to that. And yeah, mm-hmm. that it is so foreign and unknown to me that you get comfortable with the familiar, whether that familiar is good or not. That's right. Okay, so we're going to come to a close here pretty soon, but just want to check in with you to see, yeah, any final thoughts or feelings you want to share, questions that you have right now? I guess, do you see anything else that I need to be either focused on? Like, do you think the other pieces will kind of just come with it? Or if there's something else that I need to be kind of looking at or doing otherwise? I think that this is a really great start place for what we covered today. I am sure there's so much more to your life than what you and I got to got to address. But I think that this is a huge component to it. And this feels like a really good start place for where you presented today. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining me. An honor to you know, get to hear some of your story and, and be in conversation with you. You don't have to be perfect. A string of words America's been waiting to hear from someone who can't give them to her. We can wait and wait and wait an entire lifetime hoping to hear something specific from someone specific. But in this, what we all do is we give away our power. We can't move on, we can't become unstuck, and we can't change until they do the thing we think we need them to do. Can you think about where this might be true for you? Who are you waiting on? What are you hoping to hear or have acknowledged by them? There's a need for you to reclaim your power, to feel and grieve the loss of not having that from the other person, but then moving into a space where you're able to offer yourself the peace, the resolution, the permission. It doesn't ever mean that there's an absence of pain. But it's a shift out of helplessness and a shift away from patterns that keep you stuck in the dance. As you process this episode, I'd encourage you to look at your own life and to see where you've given away your power. I'd encourage you to look at where your analytical mind keeps you from feeling and experiencing 
and the ways in which you've used that as a distraction away from your own pain. I hope what you heard today was helpful. If you like the show, tell your friends and loved ones to listen. It would also mean so much to me if you could rate and review This Keeps Happening on Apple Podcasts. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron. This episode was produced by Anita Flores. Our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Stitcher. 